Hello and welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Carly Feinstein, one of the partners at Media Plus Advisors. I'm joined today by my partners, Susan George and Perianne Grignan. And we're going to just jump right in and Susan is going to introduce our guest. Yes, today we're really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to be talking about increasing transparency with agency partners, and we have one of the industry leading experts on this subject. Um, Carrie Bruce is a partner at Reed Smith Law Firm, specializing in the advertising, marketing, promotions, media, and technology space, and um, really has such a, a deep experience helping clients um, really understand transparency within their contracts and their agency partnerships. So Carrie, could you introduce ourselves, introduce yourself? Sure. Great. Thanks so much, Susan. Um, so yeah, I, as you mentioned, I'm a partner at Reed Smith. I actually sit in our entertainment and media industry group and well, typically in our New York office these days remotely from home, but um, you know, and I, I help brands navigate their business, legal and contractual issues that relate to the advertising and marketing industry, right, and building their brand. So whether that's client agency agreements and improving transparency in those agreements, or disputes relating to their client agency agreements, but also media buying issues, talent issues, um, social media guidance. So kind of anything and everything that touches them sort of marketing and advertising their brands is, is sort of what I do in my um, practice. And then before becoming a lawyer, I actually worked in the advertising industry on the account management side. So I do have that sort of, you know, inside and for, you know, look and knowledge of like how the advertising ecosystem actually works. Carrie, it's so great to have you here today. I'm so excited about, you know, some of these important topics and you know, let's get started with like, you know, one of the buzzwords of, I don't know, of the decade, maybe transparency. So um, I guess it was four and a half years ago, right, that the ANA K2 study came out sometime in June of 2016. And, you know, we know that Reed Smith worked with the ANA, you know, to develop the contract guidelines that were, you know, you know, part of that. So, you know, now we're heading on five years later. Um, in the aftermath of that, you know, how do you think marketers have really handled um, the outcomes of that study? Sure, sure. No, that's a great question, um, Perianne. So, I mean, as you know, that, you know, the key to intelligence report, you know, it actually, their research started out looking at, like, are there rebates in the U.S. industry? That was sort of a simple kind of look that they were taking a look at. And then it turns out, they uncovered all kinds of non-transparent business practices as part of their research. Um, and as you know, it was quite controversial when the report came out. Um, and, you know, it, it, it did. It opened a lot of advertisers' eyes to, you know, these issues that were happening in the U.S. market when for years everybody had been saying that they didn't exist in the U.S. market. Um, and so since 2016, right, um, and, and Reed Smith, we're general counsel to the Association of National Advertisers. So, you know, we, we worked closely with the ANA throughout that project and then also developed, as you mentioned, the um, media agency contract template. And, and, but since then, you know, advertisers, there are some advertisers, especially those larger, more sophisticated advertisers who you know, have made a lot of progress, right? They, they took those learnings. Many of them turned around immediately and, you know, 
revised and amended their client agency agreements and, and made efforts to sort of implement some of those best practices that we you know, were trying to educate the industry about after the K2 intelligence study. But then there are a lot um, of you know, advertisers out there who still, I, and I'm always shocked you know, four and a half years later that there are marketers out there that really don't know about this and don't, you know, don't have a good handle on even the issues from 2016, much less the newer issues that we're seeing today. Um, so it has been a slow and gradual process, but I do think there has been progress on many fronts. And I see many um, advertisers who've at least, you know, tried to incorporate pieces of the ANA media agency template into their contracts. Um, which I think has been a, a good start and, you know, a good sign of progress in the industry. So it's interesting. So, so you uh, mentioned newer issues popping up. So, you know, you would, you, we talked about that rebates were really the primary focus of the study originally, and a lot of other things came out of it. We know audit rights was a big piece of that. So clients have been hearing those things for a while and whether they've addressed them or not, there are a whole host of other issues that are starting to pop up. What are some of those new things that clients need to be aware of? Sure, sure. Uh, and so, so I don't even know if I would call them new, but I, I think it's, it's things that are just, you know, percolating more and people are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize this. And you're like, yeah, like this is here. So um, two things that come to mind are, first of all, what I like to call the non-disclosed services, right? This is um, you know, generally when the agencies sort of package up goods or services, usually media, um, maybe special programming opportunities, special data usage rights into a package, usually for a flat fee and, and sell it to their clients on what I call a non-disclosed basis. So it usually means that the client's giving up some sort of rights in order to get whatever they're selling. Um, so we see a ton of that. Um, and then also data issues, right? And, and sort of, you know, trying to sort of find your way through making sure you have access um, to the data that you need. Um, and, and, you know, and it's not just making sure you have contract language, but it's actually, you know, what is our process for getting that, that data is another issue we're seeing a lot of. Can you talk a little bit more about those things, the, the non-disclosed services, the data issues, and how clients can address it? Sure. So on the, on the non-disclosed services front, right, um, you know, every, every agency that offers these sort of package services, they have, first of all, they have their own special name for it, right? And, and those names are often changing, which makes it even more complicated. So whether it's you know, um, value-based solutions, proprietary media, opt-in services, they, they have all kinds of names and then they bundle lots of things under them. So, so I think one of the first things is understanding what that bucket of services is that they offer and what, what they're calling it, right? Um, and making sure you are, you know what terms are associated with those services and what you're giving up because there's always a set of fine print, right? Of, of things that you're given up. Like I've, I've seen terms for these services where the agent, the, the advertise that basically completely undermine everything in the client agency MSA. Basically the terms say that the advertiser has no audit rights. So the advertiser has no insight into what the agency actually paid and how much they might be marking up whatever good or service they're selling them. 
Um, and then there's also data rights that are given up to a lot of these terms where, you know, the agency basically claims ownership of all data that, um, you know, that's produced through these services and, and the, the advertiser has no access to that data. So, so understanding that and then putting in protections in your MSA that address, um, you know, that give some sort of governance to, um, to these non-disclosed services, because, you know, many advertisers will go in and say, I actually, you know, you know, there will be CMOs who say, nope, we will not buy this. We're, we're not doing it. I don't even want it mentioned in my MSA. But, but what I tell them is like, you need to have some sort of, you need to mention it and address it because if not, it's going to sneak its way in um, through an SOW or through some side letter agreement that some brand manager is going to sign off on without somebody realizing. Um, so you need to address it in your MSA and you need to have some kind of governance over it. So that way, if, if only the CMO can approve it, then that's the process. And, the C, and if the CMO is the ultimate decision maker, then great. You'll never do it if that's, you know, their perspective on that. Now, Carrie, I want to ask um, you and, a deeper yeah. question about data. But we're, when you're talking about what you're talking about now, can I ask you a question about um, timing? You know, there, there have been projects that Susan and Carly and I have worked on where major advertisers have had an MSA that is like, no joke, you know, 18 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And then they hang off yeah. sows on it, right? Um, you know, or other documents on mm -hmm. it. it uh, you know, this is kind of, um, you know, a question from left field. Is there a standard that either Reed Smith or the ANA or the both of you have kind of come up with for how frequently, um, you know, some of the things that you're talking about, you know, need to be updated. You know, it, it struck me when you were telling the story about there could be a brand manager out there that is gonna, you know, write a, you know, a scope of work that, that is kind of like a, a, you know, a sidebar to the MSA. What, what do you tell clients about how often they should update these things? Oh, I love that question, Marianne, because it is not. Um, I, and, and like you said, I, I have brand clients that I've worked with that have been with their agencies for 30 years. And literally their, their contracts have been like amended like 25 times. And it started off with some, you know, bare bone services agreement. And it just got amended and amended. And, and nobody even knows where all the amendments are. But these days with how quickly, especially the media space is changing, but even on the creative side, like the union issues, the production issues and stuff, like I, I told my clients, you've got to go back and relook at these agreements every year. You can't just put it in a file cabinet for five years and dust it off every five years when you decide if I'm renewing or not. You really do need to look at it every year. And, and somebody needs to, to say, okay, what are the latest industry best practices? And, and I think part of that, Marianne, goes with just governance, right? And, and I think that's, that's the thing that kind of makes me cringe so often is it's like, I can help my clients draft amazing contract terms, right? We can like go through months and months of agency negotiations. I can have the most robust, transparent provisions, but if there's no ongoing governance, of that contract and the overall relationship, 
like that, that just like all of that time and effort wasn't well spent. So, so I think if you have a practice of governance, then that kind of just flows right into, are there updates we need to make to our contract because of things that have changed in the industry? Well, media is changing, but really the, the biggest thing for us, the three of us is that, you know, media has really, you know, um, you know, transferred into, you know, audience management. And, you know, you can't, you know, manage and decision against audiences unless you have data. So data is yep. a huge issue, right? When you're writing these agreements. So I, I guess it, it kind of like a top line, you know, we think about data as having rights to the data, right? Who owns mm -hmm. it or those are rights. But I guess we know that there's a lot more than just that. So how do you help marketers, marketers like, tackle the broadness of this and what are the additional complexities beyond just rights to it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, data is so complex, right? Um, and, and you add sort of privacy and security on top of that, and it's just, it gets even more complex. So, so, you know, agency relationships in the marketing advertising space, right? You can't just involve procurement anymore and, and legal, it's, it's got to be privacy. It's got to do, uh, it's got to be infor, information security as well. Everybody really has to get together and understand and map out where that's data going, that data is going. So, um, you know, let's just ignore the privacy issues, right? Data privacy issues. And cause you know, that's, that's sort of worth a whole other conversation, but just on the pure, like, I want access to my marketing data and want to know where it is. Um, you know, I encourage brands to sit down with their agencies and literally go through each provider that the um, agency is working with that has access to your data or is that storing your data? So what DSPs are you working with, right? Who's, you know, if the agency is, is controlling your um, providers that provide um, brand safety and viewability and fraud protection, like who are those people? What data does the agency already get access to? Like literally not just like, oh yeah, we get campaign data. No, no, I wanna know like, what is the, can't like, you know, like column by column, what do you get? And I encourage them to sit down and look at that and said, is that, does that meet your needs? Is that sufficient for what you need access to? And what are those limitations on it? Because they may be working with a provider that says, well, no, you can't have access to that. Um, or there may be terms associated with that provider that they're sharing it with people you don't want to. But, and that's when you, as a marketer, you can raise your hand and say, yeah, if that DSP is not willing to share that data, then I would rather work with somebody else who will be, um, you know, who, who will be more transparent with us. And then you have the added complexity that so many brands are entering into direct contracts with providers and asking their agencies to help manage those relationships. And so making sure everybody's on the same page with how that works, right? The brand owns that contract, the agency's the hands on the keyboard, maybe with that C at the DSP, but making sure that the advertiser is able to ingest that data. Um, and, and really just, and, and, and beyond just writing in your contract that you have access to certain data, it's actually putting it in practice because, um, and, and you're probably familiar with the, um, the PwC is a re report that came out last year, right? Well, one of the hurdles they had, and this was a similar hurdle that, 
you know, the ANA had when it did its um, programmatic media study was like getting actually access to that data. So even if your contract says you have rights to it, the hurdle to actually get it, if you haven't laid that foundation from the very beginning and put those practices in place, can be just mind numbing. It's so much so that, you know, brands just decide, well, I don't need it that badly because I, I can't continue to go through these hoops to try to get it. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting. And the work we do with clients, you know, within our media performance management um, process that we have, you know, we really think about the digital landscape and what's really key to having clients understand that is exactly what you're talking about. You know, really going through a mapping process, getting a good handle on their data, you know, what data are they buying? Who Who's um, doing the analytics on it? And who are they sharing that with? And, you know, how are they calculating it? And and how is the data being used? Just really getting a handle on that is key because that, that there's just so much of it. So when you're talking to clients um, from a contractual point of view, how well do you think most marketers have a handle on this big digital data um, void or whatever it is? And, and, you know, how are some ways they can help start to get ahead of it? Yeah, um, again, there are really sophisticated, I have some really sophisticated clients that are, you know, really on it, and have teams and teams and people that can help them do it. And they have their own data analysts and, and, you know, they own a lot of their direct contracts, and they're already analyzing data. And then I have a lot of clients who are like, data, what data, right? They don't, they don't get it. They don't, they might get a PowerPoint presentation every month from their agency about how their media performed, but nobody's really dug into the data. So um, as I said, I think you sit down with your agency and say, look, okay, what data is there? What do you agency have access to? What can I get? And let's, you know, um, and it can be overwhelming for those brands who, who don't, have data, you know, analysts in house, and and they and they don't even know what data they want and need. So I think there is a benefit to work working with consultants and people in the industry to know because there's no I, like I don't recommend getting data just to get data, right? There there is you know just an industry trend, you know, an industry trend just in the privacy world and data world is like data minimization. Don't take data that you don't need, right? Um, so, so start small, that's fine, but, but at least have it mapped out and know and start a process of like, okay, I want this report every month and I don't want it in a PDF or PowerPoint format. I want it in an Excel or I want it in whatever other format that you can ingest and have it so that it's usable for you over time. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you talk about that, like um, not to get data, just to get data. Our assumption is by clients going through this process, like take out um, you know, the contractual and transparency issues, there's probably a lot of efficiencies that can be gained by just not realizing how much you're paying for stuff you're not using, yep. things you can really make some just um, improvements to what you're paying for. It, exactly. And, and you know what, and what I, I also do is I try to take some of this data access out of the contract, right? So, so I can draft really sort of robust language and then like 
let's get the actual boots on the ground people, the people that are working on it day to day to sit down and go through this and implement the operational aspects of it, right? Because you get too many lawyers in the room and people start and you're talking about data and everybody gets all up in arms and it gets elevated higher than it needs to go. Like if all I'm needing is my campaign data and, you know, I want to make sure I get regular reporting and I have access to it and I can have portability and able to take it with me, then let's sit down and do that. That doesn't, the lawyers don't necessarily need to get involved in that as long as the MSA gives us those rights, we can work it out on the ground level to, to get it. This is one of those times we're recording and I wonder if our listeners can hear us nodding because we are nodding <laughs> to everything that Carrie is saying. I'm going to actually switch gears for a second. We're talking a lot about digital and data, but we know that marketers are still spending a lot of, of their investment in non-digital media and yet still using agency trading desks. So can you talk a little bit about that dynamic of the agency trading desk activity for non-digital media? You know, because we know our clients may still want to get lower pricing where they can. So how can they improve transparency on non-disclosed media buys through agency trading desks? Sure. I mean, I think the same, the same principles apply, right? It's to have some sort of process and governance of, of sort of who gets to approve this and really making sure that at every step, so, so if you're gonna make a purchase in some non-disclosed manner, right? First look at 50,000 foot view of like, what have I spent in this bucket to date, right? So how much of my own spend? Because early on after the K2 um, intelligence report, we had clients that came to us who you know, realized that they had signed off on all of this non-transparent media. There were clients that had over 50% of their media spend that were in this bucket of non-transparent media. And they just, they didn't even realize they, somebody signed off on it in some side letter scope of work and they didn't understand what the contractual terms meant. And, and so, so really, um, yeah, that 50,000 foot view of, and even I've had marketers who've put a cap on it of like, we will do no more than X amount of our overall budget in this area. And there's a sort of a hard cap, but have somebody looking at it, making sure you know, and whoever's signing off on it, like, I also like to have like special forms, you know, or whatever, a special email or whatever that goes to somebody with special language in it that references and reminds everybody, this is what you're giving up. This is non-transparent. These are the rights that you use so that whoever's signing off on it, if it's not going to be the same person, you know, clients that are, you know, global clients, right? So they have people in local markets who are signing off on things. And so if it's not always, you know, one person, you know, making sure whoever's signing off knows what they're giving up, you're monitoring it from a 50,000 foot view. And that at the very least, it may be non-transparent to the extent like you may not know what their initial cost was and, and how your agency may be marking it up, but you better at least be have access to the data about the basic performance metrics to know that, you know, it actually performed the way they're promising you perform because I assume you're not gonna buy it unless they're promising you some sort of performance metric. So you better be able to at least audit that aspect and audit the, 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 the fact that, some, you know, the right approval process was followed in order to approve that non-transparent media. Carrie, I think that's so critical. And, you know, we talk about media changing all the time, right? And audiences changing all the time. But the thing is, is that people are changing all the time too. And so yeah. we have teams that are, 
you know, people get promoted and they move on and they do different things. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you can't really rely on the, I guess, you know, the humans that were touching it and you need succession plans in place and you need, you know, an institutional, um, you know, product or governance, as yes. you said, to really look at it. I, I think that's a huge, um, you know, learning, um, you know, point for everyone uh, here. So we could talk forever, obviously, on this topic where, you know, Susan Carly and I are, you know, huge fans of the work that you do at Reed Smith and what you're doing Thank for you. the industry at large. I think it's, you know, super value added and understandable, you know, like, I just wanted to give you that feedback that, you know, you make it sound like, yeah, we can actually do this and, you know, do it well. But is there anything that we didn't cover or anything that you want to kind of wrap up with? Um, we'd love to hear it. Um, sure. I think one, one point I would just close on is that, you know, you know, we talked about governance of your agree, you know, agency agreements, but I think advertisers need to get more involved into what's happening in the ecosystem. And, and I get it, right? I get that CMOs and brand managers, you have so much on their plate and they can only do so much, but decisions are being made about how this ecosystem operates and they're being made without advertisers in the room. And advertisers are the ones that fund the entire ecosystem. And so, as you can imagine, the decisions that are being made are not going to be in the advertiser's best interest, most likely, right? And they, you know, advertisers rely heavily on their agencies to assuming their agencies are looking after their best interests. And I, and I do think the day-to-day -day folks, you know, who work on a client's business, you know, generally are. But, but you know what? They're a business too, right? And they're part of that ecosystem. And so that's really what I would love to see, right? Is more advertisers get involved, um, get involved with the ANA, get involved um, with the other trade associations, whether it's the WFA or the IEB, and really participate in these industry discussions because we're going to see so much change. And we already have, but big decisions are being made and we don't have enough advertisers in the room. I think that's well said. It's like Hamilton in the room where it happened, right? Um, that's right. Yeah, get yourself so in that room and like, you know, you're paying for it. You got to sit at the table. You know, I think that's super, super great. Carrie Bruce from Reed Smith. Thank you so much. This has been a terrific opportunity for us, you know, to talk to you and we'd love to have you back and, uh, you know, to dive into some other topics, but uh, we're wrapping up and this is Perry Ann Grignon. Um, with Susan George, Carly Feinstein, our guest, Carrie Bruce from Reed Smith. Um, and we're from Media Plus Advisors. And this is the Plus Up Podcast. Until next time, thank you.